0: the weeping killer by harry m sutherland this is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. read by dale growthman the weeping killer by harry m sutherland for moriarty it was almost as hard to walk from the condemned cell to freedom By way of the main entrance, as it would have been to take the other walk through the little door that leads to the electric chair. He had suffered all that a man can suffer who faces a horrid death. The last of the once iron nerve had been put into the task of dressing himself in his execution garments, and when the order for a new trial had been read to him, the once powerful gang leader had silently crumbled in a heap on the floor. He was all in through Done for as surely as the electric chair could have finished him Never again would he be able to hold a gun in his hand to take his place as the undisputed king of his world They would not let him He might try it, but he knew they would find him out No, man can hold his position. He told himself time after time who had been through what he had endured Try as he did to hide it He knew that his old slaves and subjects had seen him tremble during the ridiculously easy second trial of his case Even the assurances of his lawyers that it was all fixed that his acquittal was a sure thing Could not sustain him He could not keep his hands from shaking and muscles in his face from working The brazen effrontery of his stare the menace of his square shoulders was gone He had stammered as he told his prepared lie on the witness stand and he knew that his old henchmen were shaking their heads behind his back As they accompanied him in a sort of damp jubilation from the courthouse and back to the old rendezvous What a farce it had been when after the first round of drinks had been drunk to his return Jeff Hardy had in formal argot surrendered his place as regent And formally handed him his old pistol as a token of the renewed leadership of the gang Leader why he knew and they knew and he knew they knew he knew that he was not fit to be even an apprentice in the company of blood and steel Every night for a week after that he could see in the darkness above his bed the sneer in the smile on Hardy's face as he surrendered leadership Which he had already found so sweet surrendered it no wonder Jeff had sneered at the very idea Moriarty had been a real leader of men guided into the realms of some great manufacturing enterprise politics or finance he would have been as great as he had become in the world of violence and crime instead of the master of men who work in steel or coal or gold Fate had decreed that he should become the master of men who deal in crime and Just as disaster overtakes great leaders in great industry So had disaster overtaken him on the night when sailor Bradley had dared dispute his preeminence and met the death the code demanded No one in the underworld doubted who had killed Bradley Moriarty was alive the next morning and Bradley was dead That was evidence enough, but there was considerable surprise when the leader of the woodchucks was sentenced to death for murder Every resource was assembled to prevent his execution and obtain his freedom and these weapons had triumphed They had brought back their leader, but found that they had only a weakling in his stead why there had been tears in his eyes when the verdict of his acquittal was read in court twice he had been seen faltering in his steps as he came from the loft building in which the woodchucks had their clubroom He started at the slightest sound of anything like a pistol shot And worst of all he refused to carry a gun That was the situation during two weeks following the old leaders return then on a Sunday morning Terrence Moriarty bright-eyed square of shoulder spring in his step and smile on his face Had gleefully pummeled two new members of the gang who accidentally blocked his path Hurling a bottle through a clubhouse window and undisputedly resumed his sway The night before as all of the world that mattered to him well knew Jeff Hardy had screamed Moriarty's name as he died and the old leader had automatically been crowned anew It did not matter so much to the woodchucks how hardy had died. That was a matter for the police to find out The police did to their own satisfaction at least but Moriarty merely smiled at the sensation their theories caused He still refused to carry a gun, but he still led the woodchucks more feared and respected than he ever was and with confidence that his path of glory Need not lead a man of intelligence again to the death house Jeff Hardy's body had been found at the bottom of an elevator shaft in an old loft building in which the gang occupied a portion of the upper floor Without doubt he had fallen or been hurled six stories to the concrete pit below That he had not committed suicide was certain there was no reason why he should in the first place and in the second place two reliable witnesses swore they had heard him cry damn you Moriarty as he fell Moriarty had been arrested of course but released almost at once because policemen as well as eminently respectable citizens had seen him a block away from the building at the same time that Hardy's scream was heard by the night watchman and the elevator man of the building it had taken some time to drag Hardy's body from the pit and identify it. This caused a delay, but even at that the police admitted they probably would have been unable to make out a case against the new leader, no matter how rapidly they worked. Captain Bush, who knows probably as much about gangsters and gang politics as any police officer in the city, had ordered the arrest of Moriarty as soon as he heard of hardy's death He did that even before he knew that the old leader was the last man seen with the new chieftain He was also the one who recommended the discharge of the prisoner the next morning There are more ways than one to kill a cat Captain Bush remarked philosophically to some of his newspaper friends and The law doesn't keep up with all of them but you admit Hardy was alone when he fell down the elevator shaft persisted one of his questioners Why do you think he was killed? He was killed as surely as Terence is again King of the woodchucks replied the police veteran He was killed because Moriarty lost his nerve He was killed in the way he was because of the long nights Moriarty had spent in the death house by a man who knew that if Hardy was killed by a shot he would walk through the little door instead of the big one on his second trip from his cell. He was killed by a man with brains, and that imagination which made him a tamed slayer. I know what happened as surely as I know I'm sitting here. But there would be no use in going to court with it. Hardy had openly challenged the old leader's authority. Everybody knows that. Even the boys on the street were mocking Moriarty He had wept in court He had been seen twice walking unsteadily out of the building wiping his eyes with his handkerchief and Seemed to be half blind with tears Once the elevator man had to help him to the street Everybody in the district knew about it He was in pitiful terror at the thought of the time when Hardy would pull a gun on him And challenge him to fight it out he knew that when the time came he would either have to go back to the death house be killed by Hardy or disappear there wasn't much choice one was as bad as another for him so like the man of brains he is he discarded all three of the obvious alternatives and found a fourth way out of the meeting he knew would have to come it came last Saturday night The two of them were alone in the clubhouse not a man in the gang would dare stick his nose inside the door they knew there would be no question about who their leader was before morning and there wasn't one of them within a mile of the place the elevator man and the night watchman both heard them quarreling they didn't hear the words but we don't need them Hardy taunted Moriarty to try to make him pull a gun he had two one of his own and another for Moriarty in case he had none of his own This second gun was loaded with blanks There were two flasks in the room one had gin in it and was still half full The other was broken on the floor when Moriarty dropped it as Hardy pulled his gun and called upon him to fight after dropping the flask Moriarty walked out of the room and down the stairs Wiping the tears from his eyes as he had been seen doing twice before The watchman saw him the elevator man was on the top floor with his car Moriarty had sent him there to put a new bolt on the roof scuttle He swears the door at the club floor was closed when he went up But elevator men always say that Anyway, the light was burning in the hall That's all he knows, until he heard Hardy scream. But how, then, did Moriarty kill him? A reporter asked, as the captain relighted his cigar. Ever hear of this new tear gas? The policeman questioned. That's what was in the other flask. But wouldn't it blind Moriarty, too? It did, but he had experimented until he could find his way out of the building in spite of it. The effect wears off in a few minutes and by the time he had reached the corner He was merely crying a few tears and had his alibi all made to order Meanwhile Hardy was blundering about until he found the elevator door and fell to his death An act of Providence. I suppose the law might call it, but it was really the act of a damn clever devil The end of the weeping killer By Harry L. Sutherland